and welcome to the In It Together podcast brought to you by Co-op and hosted by me, Yasmin Evans. In this episode, we're going to be talking about going plant-based and asking, what do we really know about veganism and its impact on your relationships? Joining me are vegan recipe creator and author of Vegan Eats, Rachel Ammer, vegan chef and author of the recently released Plants Only Kitchen, Gaz Oakley, and Catherine Shipley, Co-op's head of innovation, delicious food team and part of the team that launched the gorgeous and delicious plant-based grow range. Hey guys. Hello. Hi. Hey. (laughs) I'm really excited about this episode because three years ago I decided to go vegan but I want to ask you guys why you became vegan. Have you always been vegan and what was the reasons behind it? So Gaz I'm gonna start with you. I was actually listening to One Extra And at the time, Sarah Drain Crawford was the presenter. Yeah. And she was doing Veganuary because I think Beyonce did it. So I think she was doing it. And then she had JME on as a guest. And um, he was talking about how he went vegan. And it was after watching a YouTube video that made him go vegan overnight. And it was at a time, it was about five years ago, when I started seeing more more things on social media about veganism. At the time I was training in the gym every night, trying to put on a lot of weight because I wanted to play rugby. So I was eating like this colossal 5,000 calorie diet and wasn't feeling good. So I heard about this video and the same thing that happened to JME happened to me. I watched it and I went vegan right away. Wow. Uh, Instantly I thought, what the hell am I going to cook? But as soon as I went into the kitchen, it was the the nicest meal that I'd had in ages. It was so fresh and vibrant and new and exciting. So I knew then that um, it wasn't going to be hard. It was going to be easy and fun. So yeah, that's simply just one video made me go vegan overnight. And Rachel, how about yourself? I didn't know anything about veganism, vegetarianism, anyism. I just ate pretty much everything except <laughs> for dairy because that is a whole story of lactose intolerance and my mum. Yes. <laughs> so I, I didn't have dairy, but I loved... I love my fried chicken. I love Caribbean food. I love my oxtail, my curry goat, everything. I met a vegan and I didn't understand it. And she explained it a little bit to me, but I still didn't really get it. And it wasn't until I was like on a date and um, someone was like, I watched a documentary. You seem kind of like a little bit into alternative methods. You should watch it. So I watched it, saw how the meat ended up on my plate and it just broke my heart. I just felt so tricked and as soon as I saw it I just said to myself like this just isn't for me and I was like okay this is the end of my meeting days and the next day I just went vegan amazing oh wow (laughs) Catherine how about you what's your experience with uh, veganism yeah so I'm not actually vegan um but probably like a lot of people I eat a lot and lot less meals that have meat and I'm really happy with that I don't cook it out altogether I don't cook dairy out altogether but even if I look at what I've eaten in the last year, I'd probably say I have more meat-free meals than I do meat these days, even though I haven't made that choice. And actually, I think that's really great. And obviously, with our the two guys here, it's more out there and makes you feel that you can make some really delicious things as well. So yeah, probably what you'd class as a flexitarian, the new word of the moment, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And also, I just want to say for everyone or anyone that's listening to this episode and they're like, all right, but they're all vegan. All right. I, I just feel like there is a lot of, there's some, I think memes have taken over the world, eh? So like the continuous memes and tweets that I see of like, oh, this is what vegans do. They announce they're vegan every five minutes. Yeah. And But for anyone that is listening 
to this episode right now and isn't vegan, don't turn off, don't switch over. This is an open conversation. And like Catherine was saying, she is a flexitarian and she eats meat and we all have our different reasons for it. Mine was more so for health. And then the other things that I can relate to with both you guys and you, Rachel, the ethical reasons have then followed. So that's why I think the, these conversations are great. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I like shy away from speaking about being vegan because I'm like, oh, I just don't want to, I don't want to feel preachy at all. Mm. Yeah. I always felt like um, when I started sharing recipes, the most important thing was for me, because uh, I don't like being told what to do. And just because I had that <laughs> feeling that I wanted this lifestyle choice for myself and I really believe in it and I just wanted to share it. It was kind of like, just let the food do the talking. Like, I hope you enjoy the recipes. If you enjoy the recipes and you've got some more plant-based recipes just to eat and you don't have to be vegan to like be on my channel. You like, I get messages all the time being like, I'm not vegan. I just have more vegan meals than I used to. And it's just great that I can find them. Like Gaz, people can go on his YouTube find all these recipes and I think that's why like so many more people are just enjoying it without the pressure of you have to be this exact vegan but it's more about just mm. eating more plants and enjoying it and feeling the health benefits. I was watching Gaz's YouTube video the other day of when you barbecued a watermelon. <laughs> it's so experimental and just finding like what you can do with the simplest of things and turn them into something that you think that you crave exactly exactly it's amazing well i never in a million years thought that i'd go vegan I, I, when i was a chef in professional kitchens i was cooking everything i was butchering things i was eating everything um and when a vegan or vegetarian even came into the restaurant because i worked in a, a proper fine dining french restaurant like i would be like stumped we all would we'd look at each other and be like oh what do we have to, what do we have to we have to go off the menu but then in terms of my sort of activism same as rates just let the food do the talking because i'm not the best in my words anyway so if i can just put it and i plate a nice food in front of you um and you like the look of it it's an easy way to get people involved in veganism what's been your most challenging thing guys going from being a chef in those fine dining restaurants to now being a vegan chef well um in terms of like creating the recipes it's actually easier to be honest with you because there's so many avenues to explore. There's, there's not just 10 different fruits or vegetables. There's hundreds of thousands of things that I could do. And um, I find my cooking now is more adventurous than it was prior to going vegan and tastes much better too. And then when I can like, recreate something that I may miss or I, I want that te same texture or taste, I find that there's always a way of doing it. Uh, like you mentioned, the barbecued watermelon like that 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 sounds a bit weird but when you taste it and you you see it it's it, it will blow you away and um, that's what I try and do with my food uh, Rachel earlier you mentioned your oxtail and your fried chicken and I'm gone that little bit of my heart was like oh yeah I remember those days <laughs> <laughs> um uh, my background is a West Indian Caribbean Jamaican background so when I sort yeah. of like I had to make the announcement to my family I am vegan because my old school Jamaican aunties are like, vegan, what's that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't, you can eat fish. No, no, auntie, I, I, I can't have this. You can eat cheese. No. Nope. And <laughs> no, it runs my belly. No. <laughs> so how have you incorporated the things that you love the most that were animal products, dairy, or wh whatever it may be? and sort of made them your own? 
I think that was like the most fun about being vegan in the beginning for me was my grandma from St. Lucia, she was an incredible cook. And I just already had like all her food memories in my head. And I was like, cool, I really want to eat that, but I got to make a vegan version. So it, it created this whole enthusiasm around food that I didn't, I traveled and was starting to love cooking and then being vegan and knowing that I wanted to enjoy food even more. And then having these Caribbean meals that I already loved and being like challenged to how do I get this but vegan because I really believe in like eating plants and vegetables and whatever so it made it so fun and it, I had as well like mm. in the beginning it was so awkward at family barbecues because my plate's there and I'm not putting anything on it and everyone's looking at me like what's what's going on and it's rude isn't it if you don't put the food on your plate it's like why don't you have some of the fish cakes <laughs> vegan so you can't have fish cakes. And I'll be like, no, I can't have fish cakes. So I have vegan um, friendly Caribbean inspired fish cakes, one of my favorite recipes now. And now it's like flipped over. So if we have like a family barbecue, everyone's expecting, especially since my book came out, they're like, you can't come to the barbecue without plate of food for everyone to eat. So now the pressure's on for me <laughs> to bring those Caribbean inspired meals, but with a vegan twist to the family barbecues. Because at first... I didn't understand veganism before. They definitely didn't understand me, who was eating chicken all the time, suddenly going the next day, never eating it again. <laughs> it was a complete, like, who is Rachel? And then after time, mm. and with the book, yeah, everyone's like, ah, oh, okay, we get it now. Yeah, I, I feel like um, we've all been in those um, situations where we've had to maybe bring something in a, in the bag, like yeah. just sneak it out. But <laughs> I'm just, just, just sitting there with my cashew you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when it comes to the change that I've definitely seen, and I'm pretty sure you, because Gaz, how long have you been vegan for? Five years in October. And Rachel, how about yourself? Four or five. I've definitely seen the change more recently and when I'm going to supermarkets and buying products. So Catherine, how have the supermarkets, specifically the co-op, let's talk about that, had to change what they sell and, and what, what's been put into onto the shelves yeah I think you know there has been a lot more awareness about it over the last few years but there's a lot of people who are interested and you've all kind of touched on it for some people whether it's yourself or making something for someone else there's that fear so whether you've got somebody coming around to your house and you're like oh I've no idea what to cook them or people are kind of first venturing in to try and eat plant-based it feels quite difficult so we've had to try and find ways that make it easier for them to do that because we've we've seen kind of data and research that says that one of the hardest things for people is they think it's a lot more difficult because they have to scratch cook and then there's that fear factor of people going I don't know how to cook I don't know what to do so we've looked at every kind of I suppose what we'd say is the eating occasions whether it's your breakfast lunch dinner your snacks how can we offer something that makes it easier for them to do that so whether it's a full-blown meal whether it's something that helps as an accompaniment to a meal that's how we've kind of had to adapt but also looking at it as a way that feels like it is for everybody as well it doesn't feel like a difficult thing yeah, definitely. I chose to become vegan because I just suffered for way too long and my health, I, I felt like I was out of control with my body. I felt like the food that I was putting in was controlling my body way more than me and the action of cooking and picking up. I, I didn't, like you guys say, I didn't know where my food was coming from. I didn't know how it was grown. Like, I just had no idea. So I just dived into books and things like that. 
So at the beginning, I'm not going to lie, chickpeas. I just went with chickpeas. Just thought chickpeas was <laughs> that's what vegans eat. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to get some chickpeas. And that was it. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, I want you to name and shame, but also with love. <laughs> when you're going round to your friend's house for dinner, when you're not the expected one to bring a dish, have there been any like terrible offerings of vegan food? And you've gone, oh, this is not quite it. Rachel, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to you first because I, me, I'm gonna go straight for it. I tried to make curried chickpeas once for when I was not vegan. No, it was trash. It was watery. <laughs> it was trash. I have a, a very annoying memory that um, my Welsh grandma, when I first went vegan, she just she didn't really understand why I was doing it or whatever, and then she got over time she got really excited to make food for me or have something prepared so she had like a a lunch with the family and she'd been saying I've made this for you I've made this for you and I've made this and I looked at it and I wasn't I don't want to say too much my grandma I love her but I was like okay but she was so happy that she'd made all this food for me she practically force-fed it to me and I was biting it and I was like um are you sure this is vegan she was like yes everything is vegan but she gave me a cheese cracker and because I cut out dairy 10 years ago because I'm extremely lactose intolerant as soon as that cheese cracker was in my mouth I was like did you check the cracker she was like oh and we went and checked the box and she gave me a cheese cracker and it just it was one of those moments where I was like ah I really wanted to eat this just for you and you've broken my heart but I can't be mad at you because you're my grandma and you love me but I'm never letting you force feed me anything ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing that I found difficult is checking the label. Mm. Like I have to like, and because, you know, a little bit of powdered milk and dried egg will just creep up in there, creep up in a pack of crisps. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? They like to do that. And they love to do it. Um, Gaz, how about you? I mean, I feel like both you and Rachel are probably within your friends and family. Like if you're coming around for dinner, like there's kind of like... Gaza Rachel will bring something, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but have, have you had bad experiences? Go on, share one. Well, since 15, I've been a chef. I've worked in kitchens. So I've, I've, I feel like I've never been invited to someone's house for dinner. <laughs> Maybe because of that reason. <laughs> Maybe because oh, of no. that reason. Everyone's um, scared to feed Gaz. <laughs> I would be. That, I think that's the re. Honestly, I... I and plus, to be honest with you, I would rather cook myself anyway. So, yeah, just come to my house. Anyway, where I get bad food, if I haven't cooked myself or I haven't chosen the restaurant, it would be somewhere like a wedding. If I went to a wedding, I know I'm going to get some melon and, I don't know, just some, like, dry chickpeas or something. I don't know, terrible food. Um, also... I went to my uh, my goddaughter's christening, and after they put on this big spread, I said, "Oh, have you have you got any food for me? Like, I'm I'm hungry." Have you? And they, yeah, we've got you something. So I get there, and there's food everywhere. There's loads of people at the party, and I said, "Oh, there's nothing here that's vegan, Ben. Like, have you got some food for me?" He's like, "Yeah." He opens the fridge. He just gives me a pack of vegan cocktail sausages, just still in the pack just gives it to me and I'm like well we need to put them in the oven or something <laughs> just like not even prepared oh no just some dry vegan cocktail sausages but it's the thought that counts at least I could eat something we need to stop saying it's the thought that counts we're too polite like it's yeah. not they didn't they didn't actually think Gaz that's the issue so no. so it didn't count <laughs> yeah I guess 
I guess. I don't want to make a fuss. I think it's like you say, it's all the hard things. It's all the hard yeah. things that you don't realise aren't vegan. Honey is a big one. Like, people don't realise that if you have something with honey, until you start looking into it, and I think, you know, going back to what you're saying, how do we try and make it easier for people to see that there's things in there? So even if it's not labelled as a, this is a vegan brand, how can you help people understand uh, what's yeah. in there because there are so many ingredients that you just don't know you know meat and kind of some fish are more most like the obvious ones it's the other ingredients that people find really difficult yeah absolutely and it's mortifying if you're somebody who's not and you try and serve that to someone you feel dreadful um Catherine I wanted to ask you about the grow range which I spent the weekend trying and testing and engulfing myself into got my little um, indoor barbecue vibes. We just mentioned about making sure that consumers are aware that when they're shopping, you know, with the ingredients, especially if they're plant-based and vegan, when it came to the grow range, how long did that take you? Because I feel like there's been so many different products and so many different supermarkets. When it came to sort of putting that into the co-op, what was the thought process behind that? So normally when we kind of develop products, it can take over a year from concept to launch. But actually we saw the opportunity and like how the demand was there. Um, So actually we had a relatively quick turnaround in less than six months. But it was very much looking at, we really wanted to understand what are people looking for? So we know that people are wanting to try into it. So we've looked at the range that 50% is approximately around, I suppose, that meat replacement you know you feel like it's an easier way in for some people and then 50% is very much plant-based but yeah looking at what are the same trends just because somebody's vegan doesn't mean you don't want the same flavors as somebody who isn't so those very much that same look of um you know the cuisines the trends very much went into the range and by having it under a banner I suppose of a brand is what helps people so going back to the how do you know it's vegan that helps we'll have other products that are vegan that aren't under that range but this is just almost like an easy signpost that helps people navigate into it have you guys ever made something and everyone's like i mean i love it when this happens no that's vegan no (laughs) i discovered hearts of palm recently tell you what (laughs) a little bit of that (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, actually, because I made um, is a recipe in my book. It's just like a take on Aki saltfish, but Aki vegan with heart of palm. And I made it because it's just one of the best things to eat. And um, I gave it to my friend who's not vegan. And then I was like to them, oh, see, vegan food is delicious. And he was like, that wasn't vegan. <laughs> I was like, yes, it was. And he was like, no. And I was like, yes. <laughs> So that was one of my recent like accomplishments. So we as vegan are <laughs> tricksters. We lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to say, I think some of the best desserts, like chocolate desserts, are actually vegan. Mm. Yeah. And it just happened to be because of the ingredients. So for me, like chocolate desserts <laughs> isn't, you know, it is a surprise to people because it tastes even better than kind of ones that have milk and cream in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, um, seems like all the time I just, tr- I would never put something on the plate just to look the part. It has to taste the part and have the same textures. So um, that's what I'm trying to do whenever I make my food. Um, I, can, I can make steaks, I can make Wellington, I can make turkey at Christmas time. And it all has that same taste and texture. It's actually 
is mind blowing. And now like I'm, I'm over the excitement. Like I'll, I'll make, I'll make vegan ribs and I'll, I'll be, at first when I did it, I was so excited, but now I'll make something new. Like the other day I made a vegan scotch egg I saw that, and it tasted exactly the same. It had the same texture. Um, and yeah, now I'm just like, anything is possible. It really is promising. I saw you make your uh, vegan scotch. I've never been a fan of scotch eggs anyway, but I would try that. <laughs> I used to love them. When it comes to trying to find that texture, what, what do you normally go for? Because where, where do you even start? I know a lot of people are probably thinking steak, shut up. You've got to make a vegan steak. Like what, where <laughs> would you even go for that? What would you use? Yeah. Well, for meaty, replications you i use something called um, wheat gluten also known as seitan and uh, it's basically just uh flour plain flour washed of the starch um and you can make yeah meat replacements with it um for the egg for example i ended up making a savory panna cotta uh, using coconut milk i added some lemongrass some miso paste and then set it in an egg tray mold that i had left over from easter that i once set chocolate eggs in and uh, I scooped out the center once it's set and filled it with um, sriracha mayo, which is orange for the egg yolk. So, I mean, that that's the one occasion where I didn't want it to taste like an egg because I didn't really like the taste of an egg. Um, but I wanted to make it look like it, but have that like that excitement when you eat it with the spice and the coconuts and the lemongrass. It's beautiful. Now, you are both sort of masters in the kitchen. I was saying earlier that I, I love being in the kitchen. I love creating different kind of recipes but do you guys think asking the three of you do you think a lot of people look at being vegan as maybe a little bit more of an effort because you know especially for people who aren't necessarily can't just look in a cupboard and and sort of make something up do you think it's more of an effort what I like to say to people when they ask me about it is that if like me like you grew up in school and you saw your your meat fish dairy and that was your food chart and that's how you learned to cook and how to eat if you're going to go vegan, it is a complete switch to the way that you've spent your whole life learning how to cook and how to eat and how to prepare a meal. So it is an adjustment. I don't think it's harder. It's just the relearning of how to make a meal that is full of flavor and has a diverse amount of vegetables and fruits and something that you're going to enjoy. But once you get those like key meals that you're used to making on a Monday, on a Tuesday, and you just get into the habit, it's just a new way of eating food that you're used to and it's not more difficult. So mm. I always feel like it's just like the adjustment period of relearning how to cook for yourself. Yeah. And like uh, going into the kitchen when you first go vegan is actually very exciting because you're cooking with things that you haven't cooked before and you sort of have to do it. Because well, back when I went vegan five years ago, there wasn't many restaurants with a vegan option. So I had to to cook and I had to create new dishes and it's like any cooking like it's the same as normal cooking you just have to like Rachel said rethink about maybe your main protein source and the garnishes around it I always said to people in the beginning as a really quick and easy hack is if you have like a favorite curry or a favorite stew use that as your base because then you just use all the same Mm. spices you would use add your coconut milk or add your tomato and then instead of using the meat just add in a legume and vegetables it's like one of the easiest ways to adapt to reducing your meat Mm. intake but still get some really flavorful food yeah absolutely that's a really good tip it's a good one yeah definitely that's a really good tip yeah and it's i think when people are trying it for the first time you almost want that safety of something you know 
and mm. to try something yeah. that you kind of it's safer in one sense and then you can kind of keep experimenting but yeah it's what you're saying I think there is that nervousness overall of cooking and that feeling that if you're just cooking with kind of vegetables and plant-based how do I make that flavorsome because it just feels like you know somebody's not great at cooking or feels like they don't have that ability and most people do I think it's a confidence thing a lot of people are like well if I just put some vegetables and potatoes with something that is their meal which is fine but they probably struggle when they're trying to take that meat and that protein away mm. so there is definitely that nervousness and I think a lot of being able to talk about it and show actually how easy it is and I love the idea of like the one pot thing so it's not feeling like you have to have 50 million different ingredients all your pots and pans that you're going to be washing up for the next day just helps make feel it really more accessible but I just love some of the ingredients that people are inventing these days that make those substitutes like it amazes me still what's coming out and you talked about the watermelon on the barbecue I mean I've seen that a lot and it looks and it does taste amazing but other ingredients that people are finding like aquafaba which is from like um draining chickpeas it's the water but it can be whisked up and create like meringues I just love that people think about these things and find a way around it. I just find it amazing. Absolutely. I like that there's no rules. So like we're saying putting a watermelon on the barbecue and using jackfruit for chicken. So we've literally gone, because we're all conditioned to go, okay, fruit is either something that comes after dinner as a dessert, you know, it's something sweet. We never look at it as being a savory dish typically. So I like that you could like walk into the co-op and be like, even though that the fruit and veg are in one bit, you could just switch and change. And I think it's really fun that a lot of these traditions and ways of cooking, like with jackfruit, with breadfruit, with heart of palm, if you go around Central America, the Caribbean, if you go to Asia, these are ways that people are cooking anyway and have been cooking for years and years and years. So it's only like in the West, we're like, oh, this jackfruit, let's cook with all this jackfruit. Yeah. The recipes are already existing and they exist and now they're just being like highlighted. And this is a way of life that people have been living and people are thriving on. So it it also works to take away that mm -hmm. cheeky fad term. Mm. <laughs> veganism is a fad because if you go and visit different countries and ways of living you just see that people are happily eating this diverse range of fruits and vegetables in the best ways I wanted to talk about the impact of social media or what you guys believe the impact of social media has on becoming a vegan I feel like social media is one of many whether it's like you mentioned guys whether it's like a a celebrity or a radio show that's kind of led you somewhere. But um, Catherine, do you think there's been like a huge shift since a lot of people are sharing their content online via social media? Absolutely. And I think social media has definitely helped. So from whether people are looking at it from a health point of view, sustainability, there's just a lot more out there and it just feels like it's accessible and there's a lot more knowledge of how you can do it quite easily and not being afraid of it as well. So social media has definitely had a massive impact and we see that across the board in food, how quick things come around because of social media, whereas things used to take so long to come through. Now it's like instant people want things now, they want to try things. But also that makes it really exciting. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, both of you guys have a YouTube channel and you have a whole heap of followers on Instagram. I've, I've definitely watched many of both of Gaz and Rachel's IGTVs. But for you, Rachel, how, how do you use social media? Because I think it's such, I have such a love and hate relationship with it. Well, it's just everyone believes that they can say whatever they want and, and scrutinise and probably pick mm. away like, oh, you've not cooked that right. Or that looks a little bit... But um, for you, Rachel, yeah. how do you think social media has had an impact on veganism? When I first went on YouTube, one of the main reasons I went on YouTube is because when I looked at vegan food, I didn't see that diversity in cooking and food. I didn't see the Caribbean food that I loved. I didn't see the Latin food that I loved that much in the big space of YouTube. Although I knew, I knew it existed and I just wanted to share it and I wanted more people to be able to relate who might have family of Caribbean descent or African descent like me. Um, so I just put myself out there. And I think one of the best things is is how much support and how much love and how much appreciation people were just like, oh, some food that I really, either my mum used to cook that or I've never tried that before and I really want to try it. So it, it kind of created a, a community of really amazing people from all over the world not like I was in my head thinking like oh people down the road you know a couple Londoners here and there but I had uh, like America found me first so it was kind of overwhelming and really lovely like apart from the side of social media that all of us get a bit like terrified by there was also this really beautiful like community forming of people just trying recipes and giving me feedback and telling them how they went and that they loved them and so it's like a, a balance and I think the positives of being able to share things and people to have access to them at any point any time any country is quite beautiful when you're sharing a message that I think is very important for our planet and our health and our world. So there's pros and cons. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Gaz, how about yourself when it comes to social media? What's your experience? I had no experience on camera apart from one thing I did when I was about 14. I went on Britain's Best Dish on ITV. <laughs> and I didn't, I wasn't shy then, but when I went to start filming my YouTube channel, um, the reason I started doing it was because my Instagram food pictures were uh were doing really well and people were, couldn't believe often that it was vegan and they wanted to know how to make it so I thought right let me show you on YouTube and um I never in a million years thought I'd get to a million subscribers because when I first started filming I was I just froze I was so stiff I was so awkward it was just sorry can you say that again how many subscribers <laughs> one, uh 1.1 million <laughs> Uh, yeah, I never thought I'd get there um, because, like I said, I was so shy, uh, was so awkward. I hated the videos uh, when I first started. But I remember I went to a, a vegan festival shortly after the first video went up and it was a Christmas themed video. And someone came over to me at the festival saying your recipe that you post on YouTube saved my Christmas dinner. So thank you so much. And then that just gave me the sort of motivation to carry on. And then I, I got more comfortable on camera. Yeah, it's turned into what it is. But um, people think that often there are comments saying as if it's always been, you know, the size it is. But, you know, I started at zero just like Rachel and uh, it's been a work in progress. But I think social media is great to get the message out there. I'm proud that the skills that I learned in the professional kitchens are, are giving me the skills to, to post my recipes. The negativity is what it is. I'm getting used to it, but... I just sometimes I will just reply with a bit of banter back to the to the haters 
sometimes it's so silly anyway what they say is ridiculous if you put your your work out there with passion and you know you've done the best in uh, in your ability then you, you, you're happy so and that's what I do yeah I, I love the fact that for social media and for people who just don't know where to start you know you'd literally type in vegan in the search bar of on Instagram, for example, and so many different things come up. I love the ones that I like, um, just people that go around to different supermarkets and try out like all their little <laughs> donuts, the vegan donuts or the vegan cookies or like the sausage rolls, you know, like the beige food. Yeah. I love those. And they kind of present it well as well, wow, yeah. <laughs> like a sausage roll and the little vegan sausages from the yeah. fridge in the packet, <laughs> which I think is great. Everyone, everyone's trying. People are aware of it. Yeah, definitely. Which is great. I feel like those who are listening who aren't vegan who or who are and just want to take something away, we have some amazing guests on this podcast and it would be a, such a shame if, you know, we're continuously talking about the barbecue watermelon that or the ackee and saltfish that is hearts of palm, which, babes, I've got hearts of palm in my cupboard right now. It's about to go down. <laughs> it would be a shame for the listeners and for the people taking in this podcast right now to not go away with some recipes not to put you guys on the spot (laughs) I'm gonna start to start us off and then I'm gonna go to Gaz then I'll go to Catherine and we'll go to Rachel as well so we're just gonna give you time this is like a quiz isn't it so for me one of my go-tos I mean it's 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 very narcissistic of me but this is because so many people go like oh my god this is amazing no this isn't chicken it's like it's not. Is I would I will make fried chicken from jackfruit, like and seasoned in the Caribbean way, and I'd make like a a spicy version and just like a regular version. So I would just say all I use is flour, a whole heap of seasoning. But if you want to get the little ones that are already in the packet, go ahead. And I'll use almond milk, jackfruit, deep fry that, bang it in the oven, <laughs> crisp it off, and I'll just sh- I'll just dust my shoulder when I put the plate down. I'm like, there's your southern fried chicken. Um, so that would be my recipe that I would go for to show off. Guys, what would yours be? Go on. Shame us <laughs> oh, all. Well, because you've been talking about the watermelon, <laughs> I'll just tell you a simplified version that is in my book. But basically, if you like tuna, like seared tuna, you will like this watermelon because it tastes and it has the same texture. It's, I know it sounds weird, but it, it, it does work. So just peel a watermelon, cut it into sort of two to three inch fillet shapes, rectangles, put them onto a lined baking tray, bake them for an hour and a half to two hours. In that time, all the liquid will come out and it will like dehydrate it and it will actually make it have a texture of like tuna. It's really weird, but it's amazing. Meanwhile, blitz up a marinade. In the marinade, I throw in tahini, chili, garlic, sriracha, sesame uh, oil, spring onions, and a few more things. Can't quite remember off the top of my head, but you blitz that up. That's the marinade. You pour that over the baked watermelon. Let that sit in your fridge for two hours at least. And then when you're ready to serve, sear it either on a barbecue or in a non-stick pan until it's got like charring on the outside toss some noodles in a wok with the remaining marinade with some vegetables, uh, get some cashew nuts or some sesame seeds in there too, and then serve the seared tuna watermelon on top of the, the noodles. And it is beautiful. It sounds like a long-winded recipe, but the actual cooking time is very short. It's a Friday night meal for a date or something like that because you will just, they'll just be blown away, I promise. All right, noted, noted. <laughs> Catherine, when you're having like a plant-based or vegan meal, what would 
What do you go to? What's your recipe? One that springs to mind is actually um, for breakfast because it's so simple. I was thinking of like a birch muesli. So I'd have some oats, but I'd grate some um, apple to kind of get it kind of quite moist um, and use some coconut yogurt. And then you can put anything you've got in. So it doesn't really matter what you've got. I'll put berries in there. Um, I might put banana in there. And then basically you leave it overnight to soak and it's delicious in the morning. So if you are either at home or if you're rushing to work when people might not be working at home, um, you can take it with you. And it's just something that's dead simple. And I think I love cooking, but I still don't have that much time. So something that's really quick and easy for me and that I can fling together. So that's probably my go-to. Absolutely. I, I, I think coconut yogurt is just so refreshing that you can use in everything. Mm, definitely. I love it. Yeah. And it's just so tasty either on its own and you can do so much with it. It's, it's a good one. I love an overnight oats. Yeah. Rachel, how about you? What's your, what's your go-to? My heart is calling me for like some um, char-grilled oyster mushrooms. But if you make like a cheeky like jerk barbecue sauce, so you get like your spring onions, your ginger, your allspice, your scotch bonnet, coriander, parsley, and you cook that off. And then you just make a really delicious barbecue sauce with your seared oyster mushrooms, some rice and peas, some fried plantain, some slaw... Oh, and some fresh roti. I'm someone that mm. I like like a, a couple elements on a plate. So you get like multiple textures, multiple flavours. You want to cool it down, you draw for a little bit of coleslaw. You want to spice it up, go back for that jerk. You want to cool kind of in the middle, rice and peas. And then you just get a roti and you scoop it all up. And it's one of those meals where you don't miss the meat. You just enjoy the flavours. So I'll probably be making that tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm not, I know about you guys, but I'm starving. Starving <laughs> now. We've got all the elements, breakfast, lunch, second lunch, three dinners, <laughs> done. We Perfect. Do. <laughs> um, another question is, I wanted to ask you guys, what are your staples as someone who is flexitarian? The things that I kind of like to keep in the freezer, I like plant-based, but I like some of those, um, what I suppose would class as meat alternatives. So I like having um, some kind of mints in there because I know that I can make a spaghetti bolognese and I actually prefer it than having it with mints um and something that i've just i'm not worked with it loads but you probably hear a lot around nutritional yeast um so because it's quite new but it gives a really nice savory cheesy flavor and for me for someone i absolutely love cheese trying to replicate that in some of these dishes so it's a bit of a starting point as i say i'm still playing around with it because i'm quite new to testing it but it's a really good staple to have in there to add to dishes just to give it that bit of a, a savoriness yeah so absolutely. They, they're the big things but I also kind of like to have some of those um alternatives I think kind of in the freezer and ready to go definitely and nutritional yeast is great Rachel yeah. how about you what are your staples miso paste because you can add it to your spaghetti bolognese you can add it to your asian stir fries and it just creates that kind of salty umami flavor that adds an extra level of depth that you might not get otherwise so yeah miso paste i love nutritional yeast i love having a herb pot so we have parsley in the garden because it's all year round so 
it's just a nice way to add a fresh element to any dish because I think with vegan cooking especially you want to get as much flavor as you can so whether you have an Italian meal a Caribbean meal just add some fresh parsley on top of that bad boy with some some fresh nuts or something like that and then having your legumes just have a backup of chickpeas, of kidney beans, of black eyed peas. So whenever you just want to make a curry, you want to make something, they're just there stored. They're cheap and cheerful and they're not going to go off anytime soon. And in desperation, you can make a quick chickpea tuna. If you've got some chickpeas in the tin, you can make yourself a little hummus. So um, have those on board, I'd say. So guys, what are your staples? Coconut milk for curries of course always got cans of coconut milk in the fridge same thing with chopped tomatoes and tomato puree chopped tomato puree like um miso paste which which rachel mentioned it's got loads of umami it's got a deep flavor if you add that to like the base of a bolognese when you're cooking the onions or a chili or a curry that actually helps add like a really bold flavor in the long run so don't add it don't add it towards the end of the dish. Add it at the start of the dish and it'll be much better. Then like the most important thing for vegans, loads of uh, leafy greens. Okay, that's going to sound boring, I know, but literally I live off kale. I've got so much kale in my fridge right now. They call me kale pappy on the streets. Anyway, uh, <laughs> nah, but my massage kale is my favorite thing. This It's a salad. It's so amazing. So kale... Uh, broccoli, uh, spinach, and you can throw it in the freezer too to add to a smoothie. So just get loads of that in your diet for the iron and all the other amazing nutrients. Of course, fruits as well, whether they're fresh or frozen, whatever's convenient for you. Loads of nuts and seeds, just a sprinkle on things, add to stews. Um, They're really good source of protein and fats. I've got watermelon on my list, which is not really essential, but I always have watermelon there. You can see him behind me actually on the shelf, but just nice hydration, juice it, do whatever you want. Then rice and pasta, just because they're just like store, store cupboard ingredients that, you know, there's good, good carbs that I'm always going to have. Same thing with like sweet potatoes. They last ages in the fridge, have sweet potatoes. Even if you just bake them whole, you've got a nice, good quality carbohydrate there. And then tinned beans or dried beans, just like Rachel said, whether you add them to stews, add them to your salads, again, a great source of um, nutrients that vegans need. So yeah, that's my, this sounds like a lot, but actually they're all (laughs) low cost. That's a very key thing to add, you know, a a vegan diet, the, the core of it, which I just really just mentioned, apart from the nuts, everything is very cheap. You're not buying you know steaks and chicken so if you take that out of your trolley then you realize that everything is pretty cheap if you focus on the the basics you're you're going to see that you're going to save costs as well yeah absolutely and i think not only are you saving on costs you save on waste I think a lot of people, if you were to add, you know, the the, the centerpiece of a meat eaters or a, a pescatarian diet is like, okay, I have the salmon. Okay, that's the main thing. What do I put around it? And then you limit yourselves on potatoes or mm. leafy greens and things like that. And then you're left with, I mean, we've all had a broccoli in the back of the fridge and you think, oh, or like the spinach that gets wilted. You're like, oh no, what can I do with it? So I think that's also a great thing to know is that, you know, limit the waste. And we all want to put the cost down on shopping Yeah, for real. Definitely. And like with a bag of spinach or a bag of kale, like I said, just throw it when you buy it, as soon as you've bought it, throw it in the freezer. Cause most of the time you're either going to steam it or saute it and you can saute and steam right from the freezer. So 
is a good way of saving. Well, thank you guys for sharing your your recipes and your um your staples. Obviously, for anyone that's listening right now, you know we've got you hooked up. Um, all you need to do is head to the Co-op website, check out a wide range of vegan recipes, cocktails, nibbles, dinners, and desserts. I mean, like I said, I could speak about sort of the the benefits of the change in diet because for me personally, I think it's completely changed my life when I when I decided to go vegan. Mm. And it isn't for everyone. And I think it's great that we are able to be flexy as well with it. Thank you guys so much for coming on and having this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this week's episode of In It Together, then tune in next week when I'll be discussing all things fair trade and understanding where your shopping comes from with fair trade ambassador Tess Ward and co-op's fair trade officer Emily Pierce. In It Together, brought to you by Co-op. All views are those of our guests and not Co-op.